Good to see you all this morning. As I was writing this sermon uh, several weeks ago, I found a place to study in Marsh Hall. It's a building up on Prospect Street. The room in this building is in a tower that looks out over New Haven to West Rock. The buildings in New Haven were hidden by the gray tips of the trees not yet in leaf. There was the barest hint of flowers about to bloom. The sky was bright blue and wind beat against the building. I saw four vultures rise in the sky and I was in a good mood. It was as if the land itself was reaching up to give glory to God. Today is also a day to shout God's love to the world, that God loves, that God loves you. I think that is actually a very good way of knowing God, knowing who God is, that God will go to great lengths to love you, that God will go to the end of God's rope to love you. And it's a very long rope. In fact, I brought the rope here today. There it is. Um, it's a little dirty. It's been on the floor in my room. It's a rug. Um, but you'll see that this rope does not, in fact, have an end. And that's how long that God loves you. I made this rug when I was in high school out of an old climbing rope. And it became a symbol for me of who God is and how I understand God, um, how I understand the Trinity, that God is three persons and one substance. Traditionally, we say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or we can also say Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. And typically, people get hung up on the map and have argued quite a bit over three not being equal to one. But I would like to say that that is not the point nor the thrust of scripture. The point is that God loves you. And the love God has for you is one part of a pattern that makes up the very fabric of the universe. It's a pattern from whence all things began and towards which all things are going. In the gospel passage today, Jesus says, now the son of man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Now Judas had just left the room to betray him to the Pharisees, selling him for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus knows he's about to go to die, to be crucified. Yet he says the Son of Man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. Even in this moment of intense pain, there's this relationship of giving and receiving. And I take that to be the central relationship between Jesus and the God above. That God glorifies Jesus and is glorified in Jesus, even in this hardest time. That a reciprocity exists as Jesus does what God has seen, sent him to do, honored by God and honoring him in return. Can you imagine the community between the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit? Jesus is sad to leave the disciples and concern for them, but what a community to be part of and to go back to. That each person of the Trinity gives of themselves entirely for the other. 
and receives twice as much in return. Each person of the Trinity is always in a debt of love, giving and receiving. It is a relationship of such trust that Jesus is willing to face the cross. Because each person receives from the other, no person ever has to be afraid or ashamed, but is free to give fully of themselves to the others. Imagine, before the creation of the world, there was God over the surface of the deep in abundant communion. God was satisfied with love, but when three persons of one substance love each other so much that love overflows. In that same pattern of love, God created the cosmos, making it good, glorifying it that it would glorify God in return. The psalm today shows God's goal in creation, delighting in creation for its own sake and receiving constant praise in return. That God created the world, making it good, that it might give praise back to God. The psalm says, praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and fog, tempestuous wind doing his will. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild beasts and all cattle, creeping things and winged birds. What could we add here in New Haven? Praise the Lord, West Rock and East Rock. Praise the Lord, Long Island Sound. Oak trees and elm trees, pollinator plants and pocket parks, bees and butterflies, forest gardens, vegetable gardens. Praise the Lord. You could each write your own little hymn of praise, and I encourage you to give it a, give it a try. Some afternoon homework. So much has been made good in this world, and it points to the goodness from the heart of God an overflowing of delight. You and I were also made in this pattern, that God delighted in us and glorified us as good, that we might give this glory back to God. So all creation is in this network of giving and receiving, and the goal of it all is glory, and the glory of God. And this is what this not means, a continual flow of life, continual giving and receiving, Harmonious relationships, just relationships outdone by creative love. And that is the foundational reality of the universe. But even if that is the way things are, we know that things are not all good. We were created in this pattern, but we have not always kept to it. In the Bible, we have the story of Adam and Eve, who disobey God in the Garden of Eden in that abundance and eat of the one fruit tree they were told not to eat from. They were given everything by God that they needed, fruits and vegetables of all kinds, but they did not trust God. Since then, we have a tendency to try to take for ourselves more than we need. Rather than accept the good gifts of God to give them back to God, we try and take the gifts for ourselves, hoard it up, clumping up the knot. So Adam and Eve realized they were naked and they hid. And this is where shame entered the world, a disconnection, not remembering they were very fully connected. Before all this, all was given and received, but now there's hiding. They felt guilty for disobeying God, and this knot is disrupted. 
All too often we do things that make us feel like we need to hide from God. But that's never the end of the story. God sent Adam and Eve out of the garden, but rather banished them from relationship. God provides them clothes and a way forward. The story of the Bible leads up to God sending God's only son to not destroy the disobedient, but to die for us. Because even though we abuse the gifts of God, God gives again God's very own life that we might be restored to this communion with God. And if we're willing to receive that gift, we re-enter that community of giving and receiving. We re-enter that pattern. We do not have to be ashamed or afraid or guilty, but can enter into that self-giving love. Accepting a relationship with Jesus by believing that Jesus is the Son of God and walking with Him is the best way to be restored to this communion. To trust that God has gone to great lengths to love you and will go farther yet. We saw in our reading in Revelation today that God will go even farther to wrap us back into this pattern of Trinitarian love. Though our disobedience has so disrupted creation as to poison the soil and disrupt weather patterns, God promises that a holy city, a new Jerusalem, will come down out of heaven. And the voice from heaven proclaims in the reading from Revelation that see, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, dwell with them as their God, and they will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. God promises to make all things new. Imagine New Haven made new like this. In the image at the beginning, I talked about looking over New Haven towards West Rock as in a forest. But I did not talk about the ruins of the Winchester factory in front of me. The factory had provided a lot of employment for many people and in some ways sustained a whole community, but also produced guns and pumped lead into the air for decades. Today, much of the soil of the area is too contaminated to garden. I did not talk about the history of segregation or redlining that has divided our city and created worse inequality. In the 1930s, the federal government decided where they would give loans in the New Deal based on race. I did not take a, talk about the violence that's rooted in that. Just yesterday afternoon, there was a terrible shooting in Buffalo, New York, where a young, uh, young man intentionally using that, those same racially segregated zip codes, found the nearest area um, and went and shot 10 people, um, mostly African-Americans in Buffalo, New York, at a grocery store. It is to this situation of violence that God is promising to come and restore all things. Some have used this promise of restoration as an argument to not care for the created world because God is just going to come and start over going to fix it. But this is again to miss the point. It's just like focusing on the math in the Trinity and not the quality of relationship of self-giving love that removes shame. 
Caring for the natural world and loving our neighbor is not futile in the face of God's return, but is to continue to live out of that pattern. We care for creation to love one another, to delight in what God has made, and because as we care for it, it cares for us. Just as God created all things for mutual appreciation, our relationships with nature are mutual, and our relationships with our neighbors are mutual. In that delight, we honor God and fulfill our own vocation of praising God even as we wait for Jesus to return. So before Jesus goes to the cross, he tells his disciples, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. The discipleship following Jesus is to orient our lives in the same pattern of love with which God created the world. We're invited to have mutual regard for one another, to bear each other's suffering. We're invited to care for our places, creating them anew that they might in turn give life to ourselves and others. What would that look like in New Haven? The soil was restored so there wasn't lead anymore. The history of redlining was dismantled. There are equal amounts of opportunity. This creating places anew is a simple way to love each other. It's one reason we decorate a room. It's why we refurbished our kitchen and parish hall so that we can practice hospitality. It's why Saint, members of St. John's have gardened and cared for this property since the church moved to this location in 1895. That's over a hundred years of loving. It's why or Doreen Abubakar, who we've partnered with to put in this forest garden, is working with youth in Newhallville to sell native pollinator plants to create more habitat uh, for native uh, insects and birds. It's why we go to the Botanical Garden of Healing to care for a garden to remember those who were killed by gun violence here in New Haven to stand with our brothers and sisters um, in that situation. And more broadly, it's why Christians have gathered in communities since Jesus gave that command to love each other. We come together to love God and to love one another. And it's by that love that we bear witness to who God is and this foundational reality of creation. Have we always done that well? No, we haven't. But we believe that God is at work in us despite ourselves. Because we are created beings redeemed by Christ. So this morning, as we sing praise, let us join in East Rock and West Rock and the Long Island Sound, the soaring vultures and the tips of the trees, and give glory back to God this morning in our worship and in our work. Because we live in a world created out of love and for love, a world promised to be restored in love. We live in a world where Trinitarian love is the very foundation of reality, and we're invited to join in. That brings us finally to our story in Acts, where Peter explains to the Christian community in Jerusalem how God showed him that people he did not think belonged in the family of God were really included. Peter explains how the Holy Spirit led him to hang out with people who did not follow God's law. 
Peter knew that it was against the rules to eat certain kinds of foods and thought he could not have anything to do with people who, who did. He was taught to exclude them like Adam and Eve were excluded. But our God is not a static God, but a God of creative and ever-giving, overflowing love. God disrupted Peter's sense of community to show that those who were initially not welcome were actually dearly loved by God as well. The Trinitarian love reaches out of itself to draw in. And this is the God we serve and the God we get to praise this morning. And if we have received so much love, let us love one another, participating in the love of God from before the creation of the world and the love that will restore all things. And let us offer it to those the Spirit may lead us to. Amen.